Amen. Exodus chapter 23. God's bringing you into an inheritance. I don't know if you've thought about that recently, but God is doing a work in your life, and he's bringing you into an inheritance. Amen? Amen. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 20 begins a section of scripture that I want to focus our attention on this morning. It comes directly after a portion of scripture in Exodus where the Lord has given Israel the Ten Commandments, and then the Lord gives them some other uh, commandments to live by. And this section that we're going to read about this morning is kind of the epilogue, the, the ending of that part of the book of Exodus. It comes after God gives them some of the laws. Exodus chapter 23 Verse 20 in the New King James Version says this, Behold, this is the Lord speaking, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, Then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you in to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars." Verse 25, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you, and I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come, and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Verse 30, but little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea Philistia, and from the desert to the river, and I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. I want to minister from that passage this morning on this thought. And I just want to remind each and every one of us that you have a help. You have a help. Turn to your neighbor and make sure that they know that and say that to them. You have a help. You have a help. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning, I ministered from the word of the Lord and I ministered about welcome to the family. When God calls a person, when God saves a person, there's an act of spiritual adoption that takes place. It's when we become members of God's family. And there's an identity change that happens in that moment that touches every part of your life. 
We spent some time discussing water baptism in the name of Jesus and how essential it is to be saved. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And in that moment, there's something supernatural that happens. There's an identity change that takes place. It's a new chapter that's being opened up in your story with God. And we talked about the importance of the name of Jesus and how that name being called over you in water baptism speaks to the salvation work that God is doing in your life. And today, I want you to know that if you are going to be successful in living for God, you not only must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, but you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost isn't just something that represents a single moment and experience in your life that you have and then you move on from. But there needs to be an abiding presence of God in your life. And that is a promise for every believer. The blueprint for your future is in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will be your helper. I want to give you a couple examples today because the scriptures that we read this morning detail how God is going to lead the people of Israel into their inheritance. And he tells them it's going to happen a particular way. He uses the words little by little. Little by little, it's going to happen. A couple examples come to mind when I think of things that happen little by little. The first one that immediately comes to my mind is a glacier. Who's seen a glacier? Who's seen a picture of a glacier? Okay. Glaciers are huge sheets of ice and snow. And they move, but they move so slowly. So slowly that most of the time... Even in a single lifespan, a human lifespan, you can't discern that a glacier has even moved. It reminds me of an example that's probably more familiar that we've probably had more hands-on experience with, and it's that of a tree. How many have planted a tree? How many have seen a picture of a tree? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you see a tree, and Brother Burke, you go out and stand in the yard after you planted a tree, and you, there's, you ain't going to stand there and see the tree grow. There's no discernible growth that's happening. You stand in the yard, you watch the tree, you can set up a tent, you can, you can sit there and you can just intently look, watch that tree. You can water it, give it everything it needs, and you're not going to see it grow. It, you're not going to be able to discern with your eyes the, the act of growth actually happening in that tree. It's something that's going to happen over time. You might go out the next season and say, you know what? I remember that this tree uh, three months ago was this tall, and now it's this tall, right? That's the kind of growth that we see in trees. And, that's the, and, and I bring those examples up because we're probably more familiar with those than we are a lot of other things. That's the way that God works in our life. 
That's, That's the, the way, way that he works. And I've come in the Holy Ghost today to let somebody know that you can make it and that there is something going on in your life. You may not be able to discern it with your own eyes. You may have been baptized in the name of Jesus. You may have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you're wondering what in the world's going on in my life. My life seems like it's turned upside down. My life seems like I'm not making any progress spiritually. And I've come in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody today that God is at work in your life, that God has not forsaken you that he does have a plan and a blueprint for your life and that exists in the Holy Ghost. Things you don't know that are happening on a daily basis are moving nevertheless. There are things happening in the Holy Ghost. Whether we are able to discern them with our natural faculties or not, rest assured this morning, God is at work in our world. God is at work in your life. Sometimes even when you know that fact and you know that things are happening, but you can't discern, there's something inside of us that we really, really would like to be able to discern some of what I'm preaching about in real time. We'd like to be able to wake every single day, wake up every single morning, and we'd like to be able to discern and see it and feel it and feel like, you know what? I clicked up a direction today. I just feel it. I know for a fact. But that's not the way it works. It's just not the way it works. Instead, we find that our walk with God and what God is leading us into and what God is doing in our life is more, than, more times than not, it's marked by moments. Moments of breakthrough. Moments of frustration. Moments of victory. Moments where we have to course correct. It's marked by moments, and God works in your life slowly. Sometimes that can seem unsettling to us because it seems like it doesn't line up with what we see in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 uses that word suddenly, and there is a suddenly work that happens in your life. But recognize with me, within the context of Acts chapter 2 even, that even that suddenly thing that happened that day in the upper room, they'd been up there praying for 10 days. Sometimes we get to talking about the long process of what God is doing in our life that sometimes we can't discern on our own and sometimes we can only really see in hindsight and we think, boy, that just doesn't line up with what I see in Acts chapter 2. I wish everything was just a suddenly thing. I remember when I was born again into the kingdom and it just seemed like it all came together and it all just happened and I was baptized and I received the gift of the Holy Ghost and God started doing some things in my life suddenly, but now I feel like I'm out here in this territory and there isn't any more suddenly suddenly moments that come along very often. I wonder if God has forgotten about me. I wonder if God's not really doing, I wonder if that plan that I thought God had for my life, if it really is going to come to fruition at all. But I'm come today to tell you that it doesn't matter how far removed you are from being born again and of the water and of the spirit. God does have a plan for your life. God does have things that he's working on in your life. He's just doing it slowly and he's doing it little by little. And I'm stopping on this Sunday morning to communicate this truth today because it is this fact and this revelation that will keep you from becoming depressed in your walk with God. You can make it. And God is doing a work in your life. 
But can I tell you something today that none of us like to hear? And I'm not saying it to, be, to get a, a response or to be shocking for shock value, but I'm going to say it because it's true. There's things that God is going to do in your life that you're not ready for yet. There's God, things that God wants to give and place into your life and have bring, brought to fruition in your life that you're just not ready for yet. I can say that to every single person under the sound of my voice and even back at myself right now, that there are things that as yet God will do in my life that I am at this particular moment not ready to receive yet. And so he's doing it a little at a time, one day at a time. In the passage that we read together, there's five promises that God makes that I can find. There's five promises and there's three conditions. You have a help today, but your help comes with things attached to it. You've got a help that comes with five promises and three conditions. And I'm not going to spend a lot, I'm not going to spend three hours today preaching through every single one of them to the degree that I could if I felt, if I felt like we would all stay together. But there are things in this passage that reveals to us how God works in our life. The first one, the first promise that we find in this scripture is the one that makes all the rest of them that come afterward possible. And it's this promise, that God will be present with you. It's the one that makes all the rest of them possible. Here's, here's the five, if you want to just try to pick them out on your own in this passage. I'm not pulling these out of thin air. These are things that are in the word of the Lord. God will be present with you. God will be on your side. God will meet your needs. God will fight your battles. And God will redraw and expand the borders of your life. But it all comes from the realization that he is going to be present with you. God said in Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, that he was going to send an angel. There was going to be an angel that God sent to Israel. Now, sometimes in Scripture, sometimes the angel means a literal angel, a spiritual creature from heaven, something that's got the wings and, the, and, and, and all the things that you imagine whenever you see the word angel in the Bible. But the word angel has another meaning too. In fact, it, it's the name of a prophet named Malachi. Malachi is just the, the, the name, it's, it's the word angel. And angel literally just means messenger, messenger, because that's the function that most angels perform. And so sometimes when the Bible uses that word angel, sometimes it means a spiritual creature, and other times it just means a messenger. And, and based on the context, you kind of have to sort out which one's being talked about. God said in Exodus 23 that he was going to send an angel to his people. And that angel for them does the same thing for them that the Holy Ghost does for you and me today. The presence of that angel in Exodus chapter 23, was the result of Israel's rebellion. Israel had been in rebellion. Israel needed constant hands-on attention. <laughs> constant hands-on attention. The previous chapters, Exodus chapter 20, 21, 22, the first part of Exodus 23... They talk about the Ten Commandments. God gives them the Ten Commandments and the law and, and the different things in the way and the statutes and the guidelines, the regulations within which they were supposed to live. And, and instead of 
in this last section, instead of rehashing it all and, and saying, in summary, in conclusion, I want to review all of these things and I want to make, make sure you're familiar with the terms and conditions of being my covenant people and living for me. Instead of doing all of that, this passage that we're in this morning goes a different direction and God says, in addition to the rules and the statutes and the parameters that I'm going to place around you for your protection and for my worship, I'm going to send an angel. I'm going to send my presence. There's going to be something that abides with you, that gives you the hands-on attention that you need for every battle, for every trial, for every low place, for every mountain, for every moment that you're going to face, that you feel like that you're forsaken, that you feel like God's forgotten about you. I'm going to give you my presence, and my presence is going to be with you. Isn't it just like God to demand faithfulness in his covenant, knowing that we are unable to do it on our own, but God giving us the promise of his presence, the promise of his spirit to not just visit us, but to abide and indwell with us, to help us stay into covenant with him and to teach us how to live. I've come today to let you know you can make it. You can make it living for God. You can live for God and be successful living for him. But you must have the gift of the Holy Ghost. You must have the Holy Ghost infilling you, indwelling you, and abiding with you. It's the promise of God to help you make it. Now I need to take a step back and explain something today. The gift of the Holy Ghost is possible for us today because God broke the curse of sin. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. And he came and through a perfect and sinless life, he became the ultimate atoning sacrifice for your sin. And he broke the curse of sin that was established in the garden of Eden. And you can look at the parallels between Exodus chapter 23 and the gospel of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And you can see that just like the angel in Exodus chapter 23 that was going to stay with them and keep them and walk with them and abide with them and teach them and lead them and guide them, just like that angel was going to do th that for them in Exodus chapter 23 in that generation, Jesus Christ will keep you and lead you into the places that he has prepared for you. He's going to lead you into an inheritance of wells that you didn't dig and vineyards that you didn't plant. God's got something that he's leading you into today, but you need a helper and you have a helper, and his name is Jesus Christ. And on the day of Pentecost, he sent his spirit, and he said, this spirit is going to be your helper, and he's going to remain with you and abide with you, and he's going to lead you into all truth. You have a help. That angel that God sent them in Exodus chapter 23 the Old Testament brings him up a couple other times. Isaiah and Malachi both reference 
this moment that we read about in Exodus chapter 23. Sometimes people think that this particular angel, we'll get out in the weeds here for just a moment. I'll give you something to dig into a little bit on your own. Some people look at this and they, they say, well, this is obviously a spiritual creature. This is, this is an angel. This is what we traditionally think of as an angel. And the Lord was sending an angel that was going to be with Israel all the time. And that very well may be. There may have been a literal angel. But there's a phrase in the passage we read together. And one of the ways that God describes this angel, he says, my name is in him. My name is in him. And, and that's caused people to take a second look at this passage and say, well, you know what? It just might be that perhaps this isn't the spiritual creature type of angel. Perhaps this is a human messenger that God has placed. This is a gift to the, to the people of God that God is placing in their midst. And, and, and perhaps it's both. But the people that say that this is a human messenger, that, that they see that, that my name is in him, they point back and they, they know what's happening historically in that moment. Moses isn't getting any younger. And there's someone that's coming on the scene and he's going to be the one that actually leads them into every promise that God tells them about in this passage. All the Hivites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the territory and all the boundaries and all the things that are going to happen. There's an individual that God has prepared to put on the scene to help his people be led into that inheritance. And it's a man named Joshua. Joshua was going to be the person that would lead them and, and lead them into battle and lead them to possess the inheritance that God was promising them in the book of Exodus. And when the word of God says that my name is in him, you might ask, Brother Dustin, what does that have to do with Joshua at all? You have to recognize this much, that Joshua is the Old Testament Hebrew name of Jesus. It is the same name. It's just a different language. You can't tell me today that this passage that we're looking at in Exodus 23 is, doesn't prefigure and look forward to your help today and say that there's someone that's God prepared for you. His name is Jesus, and he sent his spirit. Somebody get with me right now. There's somebody that needs to realize God's given you an inheritance. God's got a plan for your life. You can make it, but you're wondering, how's it going to happen? I don't know if I can make it. God prepared everything you need. He came in human flesh. He himself came in human flesh. And his name is Jesus. Those Old Testament saints would have called him Joshua because they knew that he was the one that was going to lead them into new territory, that was going to be their help, that was going to be the one they had to obey that was going to be the one they had to be faithful to. His name is Jesus. And he has sent his Holy Spirit to live, to indwell, to abide in each and every one of you. You have a help. The other four promises that God made to the people of Israel in Exodus 23, that God would be on their side, that God would meet their needs, that God would fight your battles, that God was going to expand your territory and redraw your borders. Everything, all of those were 
find their source in this first promise that God was sending a help, that God was going to be with you. And when you are indwelled with the Holy Ghost, hear me right now, every promise in the book is yours. Every good thing that God wants for his people, when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and it dwells inside of you and you're being led by the Spirit of God, there's nothing that can stand in your way. There's no promise that God has made to his people that you can't lay claim to if you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. God has given you a help. It's the same plan that God has for us today. And the plan for us today is to receive the Holy Ghost. John chapter 14, Jesus himself told us about it. He says, he says if you love me, keep my commandments. You tell me that that's not exactly what God is saying in Exodus chapter 23. God gives them in Exodus chapter 20, 21, 22, he gives them his commandments. And then at the end of 23, before they move on, God says, if you love me, I'm going to send my help to you and you need to obey him and you need to be loyal to him and you need to be teachable of, unto him. And if you'll do that, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. John chapter 14. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What a promise. Woo! What a promise. What a promise that God didn't bring us across the Jordan River into new territory in water baptism and then just leave us there and expect us to figure it out on our own and expect us to live up to the standards of his covenant on our own. But he sends us a helper and he sends us somebody that remembers our frame that we are dust, that lived like we lived yet was without sin. And he puts that power inside of you and me when we're filled with the Holy Ghost. So that the standards that he has set, we can fulfill and be overcomers. The conditions that God gives us for receiving the promise of the inheritance. He says, you've got to obey his word. That's in verse 22 of Exodus chapter 20. It's right there. He says, you've got to obey my word. The, the second condition that he gives, he says, you've got to You've got to remain loyal. You must remain loyal to him. He says, don't make a peace agreement with your adversaries. Don't make a truce with your enemies. He says, you're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to follow me fully. That's why the New Testament tells us, neither give place to the devil. The adversary doesn't belong in a seat at your table. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost today, let me help somebody. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost today, you don't have to negotiate with the devil. He doesn't have to have a voice at your table anymore. 
The Holy Ghost allows you to say, I'm faithful to one. I only listen to one voice. I've only got one source of authority. And Satan, you're not it. You've got to hit the road. I'm going to take some territory. If it happens just a little bit at a time, I'm going to make it. And it says, you've got to be obedient. You've got to be loyal and faithful. And he says, you've got to get a revelation that I'm going to do what I'm going to do in your life a little at a time. God's ways are slow by design. Slow by design. Here's what God said. God had a reason for this. I like when God, God doesn't, I'm not entitled to a reason from God. But sometimes God gives me a reason. And God gives us a reason. He says, I can't deliver it all over to you in a single week or a single month or a single year. He says, because if I do that, if I wipe all these people out from before you, he says, the land is going to be overrun with wild animals and with all kinds of nonsense. He says, that's what's going to happen. And he tells us what our flesh doesn't really like to hear. He says, you're just not equipped yet to occupy what I'm going to give you. You're just not there yet but I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you there little by little. He has practical, real reasons that we can understand with our human minds for why he does things the way he does things. He says there are obstacles that if I remove those obstacles out of your way right now and clear the path all the way for you, he says you are just not equipped yet. And And those obstacles are going to manifest and multiply into a whole lot of other issues. We keep going back to it. We've gone back to it for a week now. But let's go back to Genesis 16 where Abraham and Sarah have received a promise of a son and they take matters in their own hands and they insert Hagar into the situation and they start to do things on their own. Now all of a sudden the promise that they were going to inherit with the birth of Isaac, now they've created and it's it's multiplied into a host of other issues that they, are, they were not equipped. They were not equipped to handle and to manage that. It's evident by their response. Could they have done it better? Yes, they could have handled it better. But they had created a mess, and they were not able to handle what was going on as a result of their actions. And instead, instead of us charging headlong into whatever we think is the right thing that God would have us do in this season, I'm talking to individuals right now, We must be led by the Spirit. We must be led by the Holy Ghost. We have to get this revelation of why, how God does it and why He does it the way He does it. He does it little by little, little by little, and you have a help. The musicians would come. You might be sitting and asking yourself today, in fact, I I want to speak for just a moment to the person who's asking Where do I go from here? God's been doing a work in my life. I've been born again of the water and of the Spirit. Maybe that's something that's happened somewhat recently. Maybe that's something that's happened years ago, but you're nevertheless asking yourself, where do I go from here? And your answer is in the Spirit. You must have the Holy Ghost. You must be led by the Holy Ghost. God never saved you out of your bondage and gave you a new identity and then released you into the wilderness to fend for yourself alone without a plan. The blueprint for your life is in the Holy Ghost. We must be led 
by the Spirit. Now, I feel it right now. I feel right now that there's a part of our human makeup that would like to receive a six-point plan for how I need to figure out what the next move in the Holy Ghost is for me. But the, the simple facts are this. If we're going to live for God and we're going to be successful and we're going to follow after Him, it's going to be in the Holy Ghost. It's going to take a prayer life. It's going to take time in God's Word. On an individual level, on an individual level, what we do here on Sunday mornings, I'm helping somebody right now, what we do here on Sunday mornings is essential and it's powerful. And you do not need to unplug from it. Now is not the time to unplug from your church family and what happens on Sundays and Wednesdays and other gatherings that we have. And it's beautiful and it's powerful and it's essential. But what I'm talking about right now, if you, if you wish to answer the question for yourself, where do I go from here? What's the Lord doing in my life? It, you might find the answer to that in an environment like this. But if you find it in an environment like this, it's going to be because it is the product of an overflow of a personal walk with God. It just happened to happen here. It's going to be because you've been seeking the Lord on your own and you've been trying to follow after the Spirit on your own and you've spent time in the Word of God when other people were doing other things and other people were doing the endless scroll and you decided to sit down with the book and you decided to let the Lord put something inside of you and you decided to open yourself up and to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord and to hear what the Lord might be saying and you slow down and you do it in an individual one-on-one -on -one setting, that is where the power comes from. That's where your help comes from. The psalmist said, I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. He didn't say our help. He said my help. He, received a per he had a personal revelation of what I'm preaching about right now. And if everything I've said right now seems, if, if, if it hasn't made it across the finish line for you yet, I would take you no further than to Romans chapter 8. And here's what the, Roman, what the book of Romans says about this matter. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Someone needs to cry out today because there's a God who wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you and it needs, it can go, he, he sees you, we've talked about it for, since the first of the year. Jesus has a way of seeing through the crowd and seeing one individual person. And he's able to see you today. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he sent a messenger, an angel, the spirit of God, your help. He hasn't left you. He wants to be with you. He has words of hope and life. If we'll be faithful to him, if we'll be obedient to him, and we'll be submitted to his process of doing it just little by little, God will, God will absolutely blow your mind. Because from that little sapling of a tree, you might have to take some time and, and go off and do, but you'll turn around one day and that tree will have turned, that little sapling will have turned into something else. 
And then you'll turn around another day, Brother Billy, and it'll have turned into something else. And you'll see, you'll, you'll have a testimony that God, when I thought... When I thought my entire world was caving in, when I didn't know what was going on and things seemed broken and I was in the middle of a trial and I was going through a valley or I was climbing up a mountain and there was just things and there was distractions and enemies and adversaries and challenges and obstacles and all these different things, God was there in the middle of it all. He was there in the middle of it all. And he was growing me. And he was helping me. And he never left me for a moment. He is my help. Stand with me if you would this morning. I need to say it another way right now. I need to say it another way. And I need everyone's eyes to be on me for just a moment. I've been saying that you have a help. But here's what I need to say before we go any further. You need a help. If you think you can do this on your own, you're sorely mistaken. If you've been trying to do it on your own, today's the day to get right. We've got a brand new altar. We've got a whole lot of room. And if you've been trying to live for God on your own, by whatever set of moral values that you've picked up along the way, and you are able to honestly look at your life and say, you know what? I, I think I've been doing an all right job of being a good person, but I don't know if I've been spirit-led. It's time to get spirit-led. It's time to get spirit-led. If we're going to make it in the times that we live in, if our families are going to make it in the times that we're living in, it's going to have to go beyond just this idea of being, trying to be the best person I can be, just being a good person. We're going to have to be spirit-led. Moms and dads, we're going to have to be spirit-led. We're going to have to be spirit-led because you're going to come up on a, on a tribe of Jebusites or some enemy, and you, your moral code is not going to be enough. The night is going to get awfully dark at one point, and it's not going to be enough. And the thing that's going to see you through and the thing that's going to give you power and the thing that's going to be your help is the Holy Ghost and you being willing to be led by the Holy Ghost as an individual. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Let's lift up our hands all over this room right now because I just feel the Holy Ghost here right now. He's been here all morning. And there's been ministry that's even happened during our song service and our time of praise and worship. But I want to open these altars right now. I can finally say that this altar is open right now. And this sides of these buildings open. And we need to, we need to make a response in prayer. Not, we need to make a spiritual response right now. Because there's things, there's some that's been discouraged, and there's some that's been depressed, and there's some that you're able to honestly look at your life and say, you know what? I've been doing okay. I've been getting by, but I haven't been spirit-led. I need to be led by the Holy Ghost. I need the Spirit of God to be at work in my life. You need to cry out today. There needs to be somebody who will cry out and say, Father, I need you. Father, I need your Spirit in my life. I need your help. Come on, somebody right now, step out of where you are and let's find a place of prayer. Let's find a place of response in the Holy Ghost right now because God is working in your life. He's working slowly, just little by little, but you might just make, need to make an acknowledgement in faith today that I can't do this on my own. I need a help. I need a help and I have a help.
My help comes from the Lord. Come on, moms and dads, it would be good for the kids to see. Grandparents, it'd be good for the younger generation to see. Somebody acknowledge, I need a help. I'm not sufficient. I can't do it on my own.